0: Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. Before we read, let's pray.
1: Heavenly Father, we do thank
0: you for this day that you have made. We thank you for all that you have made. and Lord, as we think about all that you have made and then we look back to ourselves, it is amazing and astounding that you think of us at all. Yet you do. So God, we are overwhelmed at um, at your goodness, at your generosity, at your care, Lord. As we um, we read your word this morning, we thank you that we have it to read, that we can learn more about who you are having to just figure it out on our own. That we can see uh, a more accurate reflection of who we are when we often try to deceive ourselves. And God, that we can therefore know what it means to have real life with you the way that you intended because of Jesus. We pray all these things in his name. Amen. Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9, which be found on page 434 in your pew Bibles, or 845 in large print. Psalm 8. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the, through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies, to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all flocks and herds and the animals of the wild, the birds in the sky and the fish in the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. Lord, our Lord. How majestic is your name in all the earth. Turning to John 16, verses 12 to 15. Jesus says to his disciples, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But, Well, as I said, this is just in the way. Stand over here. As I said earlier, we are looking at a letter written by Peter, and um, he had a lot of things you saw in that song, a lot of various experiences throughout his life that make him think about uh, who Jesus is a little differently. And yet you see by the end, um, even though some of the things early on may have appeared foolish it's the right kind of foolishness. Now, he is writing in 1 Peter to a group of people who are Christians, those who have chosen to identify themselves with Christ rather than with the rest of the world. And what they have found, we looked at this last week, is he said, you have been given the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit actually gives you gifts to use in ministry, to serve others. And so we looked at that last week and said, that's what we have to be doing. Actually finding out and discovering what these gifts are, and then using them in the service of others. Empowered by God to do just that. Let's do it. Now what Peter is saying, though, is to these people who are Christians, who are using their gifts in the world, and have, for the good of others, said, next, what they're going to find is, that's not as welcome as it you might think it would be. If you're going to be using gifts that God has given you to live like He's given you to live and to serve other people, you think everyone would say, yes, good, do more of that. So, But actually, what we find is that it's in those times, where you will be mistreated. You'll be persecuted. Um, I do need to have just a little caveat before we continue, and that is this. What Uh, this particular passage is about is not about um, abuse that happens in relationships. If you are in an abusive situation, you need to get help and you need to get out. That being said, I am talking about suffering that comes at the hands of others. Okay, So that's why I have to explain not the abusive thing. Uh, This is something else. But this is a mistreatment because of our faith. And so, uh, keep that in mind as we go. This is 1 Peter, chapter 4, verse 12 to 19. And he says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that that has come on you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted, Because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the godly, or the ungodly, and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Alright. Peter starts this little section here by telling us not to be surprised. So something strange were happening to us. And you know what this means. You know the idea of something strange happening. If you see somebody walking a dog on a leash down the street. That's not strange. Well, maybe leashes are a little strange around here, but... (laughs) But if you were to see somebody walking down the street with a leash, and on the end of it, there's not a dog, there's a frog, you would think, that's strange. And it's strange because it's not what's ordinary. It's not what you see all the time. It's not what you expect. Peter is saying, don't be surprised when as a Christian you suffer... Because what you'll be tempted to think is, if I'm living the way God wants me to live, I will not suffer. And that if I am suffering, then something weird is happening, something strange is happening. This is outside of the ordinary, and it's outside of what's to be expected. And Peter says, wrong. In fact, if you are living as a Christian, you should not be surprised when you suffer. Because it should be a part of your ordinary expectation as a Christian. Because the Christian life is completely at odds with the rest of the world. And so if you have uh, the whole world right side up at the creation and that with uh, sin that enters in, everything gets turned upside down. And then when you come to Jesus, everything for you gets turned right side up. It's still backwards to the whole rest of the world. And so he says it should not surprise you at all when you are at odds with the rest of the world and when that brings suffering upon you. Don't be surprised. And yet, there are kind of three things that I want to say we should do when this uh, this comes on us. And, this may be the first time I've ever done this as a preacher. All three of them are going to start with the same letter. I I almost changed it just so I wouldn't do that, but anyway. (laughs) And that is to pause, to pray, to persevere. Those are the three things that Peter is going to tell us to do here. The first is to pause. When suffering comes on you, we have to pause. And here's why. As Peter tells us, there are different kinds of suffering. There's suffering because we are Christians. There's suffering because we are identified with Christ. And there's suffering that comes as the natural consequences of us making bad decisions. There are plenty of people who will identify themselves as Christians... And then he will go around just arrogant jerks. <laughs> and then people will treat them badly because they're arrogant jerks. And then, the arrogant jerk will say, oh, look at me, I'm being persecuted for my faith. No, you're not. <laughs> you're experiencing the natural consequences of being an arrogant jerk. That's how it works. Um, and that's what Peter said, he says, if you're going to suffer, make sure that it's not because you're bringing this on yourself, because you're uh, making poor decisions. It should not be as a murderer, or as a thief, or as a criminal, or as a mother. In other words, don't do those kinds of things. Now, does that mean those are wasted? That that kind of suffering is not important? Actually, it is important. Because that kind of suffering is what leads us then to repent. To say, this is not the way I should be living. I need to turn around. And make a change and do something different and come to God. Now, here's the thing: that does not mean, okay, I'm suffering because I made a bad decision and I've done these things and now I'm suffering. Therefore, I will turn to God and will never suffer again. No, that's exactly what Peter's saying. When you turn to God, when you're living for Him, you will still have suffering, but it will be a very different kind of suffering. It'll be a suffering not that makes you repent, but that makes you rejoice. Say so, now, wait a second. How in the world could there be any kind of suffering that would make you rejoice? Well, here's the, this is mind-blowing. There really, when you have this time of pausing, you experience some suffering, people treat you poorly, you pause and you ask yourself, did I do something to deserve this, or did I not? If you did something to deserve it, that's where the repentance comes in, and changing of your life. If you did not do something to deserve it, guess what that means? Verse 13. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ. When Jesus was having the crown of thorns put on his head, when he was being whipped, when he was being spit on, when he was going to the cross and being nailed up there, how much of that did he deserve? None of it. Not one bit. In fact, everything he'd been doing was exactly what he he was supposed to be doing. All the way through. And And so if there's ever anybody who can look at their situation they're in and the suffering they're experiencing and saying, okay, did I deserve this? And answer, no, not at all. It would be Jesus. And yet still he experienced it. Now Peter, the guy who wrote this letter, did not understand that at all earlier on. He could not have written this letter before Jesus was raised from the dead at all. Because before Jesus went to the cross, Peter understood that Jesus was the Son of God. He was the Messiah, that God was going to send in the world. And therefore, he's the king. Every, everything he does is good. He's seeing all this, seeing this, uh, the miracles and the teachings. He says, We're going to go into Jerusalem. And it's going to be great. You're going to be the new king. Everybody's going to honor you and celebrate you, and here I am, close by, and that's wonderful. And then Jesus says, well, actually, when we get to Jerusalem, they're, they're going to kill me. And Peter says, no, 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 not you. You've got this all wrong. Because to Peter, the cross signified the end. been staking his life on with this Jesus guy. He says, if you go to the cross, it's over. There's nothing else after that. In fact, no one's going to follow you after that. I mean, no one's going to follow your teachings. If this is where it leads, come on. You can't go to the cross. He doesn't understand. Now, though, he does. He understands that when Jesus is at the cross, that's not the end of the story. It's not the end of the game. That's actually a very central part of it there's life on the other side, that not even death can stop what Jesus is about. And therefore, Peter is now able to say, afterwards, don't consider it strange when you have identified yourself with Christ, and it leads not to glory and kingship, but it leads first to suffering and loss and maybe even death. Don't be surprised, because that is where it leads. As we are close with him, that's how it happens. Now, say, okay, so Peter, tradition has it, not only was crucified, but actually crucified upside down, because he said he didn't um, consider himself worthy to be to suffer the same death as his Lord. But what about the other disciples? Is Peter the only one who finally got this message and therefore lived that way? Actually not. Here's just a, a quick list of all of them. You have Peter, Uh, Was crucified. Andrew also crucified. James, the son of Zebedee, was killed by the sword. Uh, John, his brother, actually died a natural death. So there we have one. Uh, Philip was crucified. Bartholomew was crucified. Thomas was killed by a spear. Matthew was killed by the sword. James, the son of Alphaeus, was crucified. Thaddeus was killed by arrows. And Simon the Zealot was crucified. So we have all of these people who are the closest to Jesus, who see him as the king over everything. And the more closely they were identified with him, the more it seems that their life led to suffering. This is why Peter says, don't be surprised as though something strange were happening to you. But understand, this is a part of what it means to live in close identification with Jesus and therefore at odds with the rest of the world. Now I will tell you one of the reasons why uh, why this happens for that but I bring in this white cloth and here's the thing about this white cloth. this white cloth is particularly proud of its being so clean and white because it hangs out with a lot of you know purples and greens and reds and blues. And they're all very impressed at how white this thought is. Well, they were. Until this white cloth showed up. <laughs> and now suddenly they're not very impressed with this one anymore. And now this one has a choice. This one can do now the same thing. Since hmm. <laughs> so it's, so it's under the word of God, that's what made it white. Anyway. Okay. Nobody could do. It could go through the uh, the dipping in the bleach and be changed into pure white. But it didn't really want to go for that. Actually what it wants to do is continue just as it is, but it still wants everybody to be impressed. So, starts treating this one bad. Figuring either it will make it just go away, or it will make it sink to this level. And it will become dirty too. And then no one will see the difference anymore. This is what continually happens. This is why Jesus got killed. Because there were people who wanted everyone to think that they were so great. And then Jesus shows up, and by comparison and contrast shows pretty clearly how not great they are. And rather than repenting and changing, say, well, let's get rid of Jesus. And this is what still happens to those who identify with Jesus. So, first P, pause. We pause to uh, figure out, is this something that I have brought on myself? Is this something that I have deserved? Or not? And if not, then we can rejoice inasmuch as we participate in the sufferings of Christ so that we may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. See, there is a day when all the suffering will end. When Jesus shows back up and it's all over. And let me ask you, if you are the one who is causing the suffering of others, how do you feel when he shows up? But if you are the one who is enduring the suffering of others, how do you feel when he shows up? Imagine the bully and the bullied when the principal shows up and says it's gonna stop. But again, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed. The spirit of glory to God rests on. <clears throat> if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or to the meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name and take you back to one other spot before we move on to the next letter. And that is in Luke 23, when Jesus is actually on the cross, somebody got this. They figured it out. That's one of the other people being crucified that day. was a thief. One of them didn't. He joined in with the crowd and making fun of Jesus. But the other criminal, this is Luke 23, 40, 41. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence? We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Because Jesus is doing nothing wrong, and yet he's enduring this uh, suffering, he's actually suffering for the sins of others. Now, we can't do that in a way that causes forgiveness for others. And yet, when we suffer and it's not our fault, guess what that means? That means we are suffering because of the sins for others. The sins of others. Not in place of, but because of their sins. And this way, we do identify with Jesus. Alright. It says, For God, for the time, it's time for judgment to begin with God's household, and it begins with and if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? And all this is about is the same thing I was saying earlier. Do not be surprised if fiery ordeal has come on to test you. In other words, it's not that we are saved out of the suffering, we're saved through it. We go through the fire and we actually come out the other side, purified. And he said, if that's a hard thing for us to go through, imagine what it would be like for those who don't have Jesus, who are. Strengthening us from the inside and making us into the people we need to be. So then, verse 19, these are the last two pages given in this one verse. So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. The first one there is pray to commit ourselves to our faithful Creator. And we ask ourselves what the situation is The next part of that is to pray Remembering that we Did not come about By chance we did not come about on our own But we have a creator We have one Who as we read from Psalm 8 Created everything including us And yet he cares about us And so we're not in this alone And we're not going through the suffering alone either And so he says He says we should commit ourselves to our not just creator, but faithful creator. The one who we know has begun a good work in us and will finish that work. He'll bring us on to completion until the day when all suffering ends. And then, the third, to persevere. Continue to do good. What the world will try to do is use the suffering to stop you. You're doing good, and it's thrown up there as a way to either get you to leave, to get you to change, to get you to stop. And Peter says, don't do that. You're not doing it on your own. So when it happens, pause, see if it's something that I brought on myself by making bad decisions or something I've brought on just by being identified with Jesus. If it's the first, repent, if it's the second, then we move on and pray to our faithful creator. re ourselves ourselves to keep on going. Knowing that no matter where that leads and whatever uh, additional suffering that may cause, this is the life we've been called to. And it's a life that brings us closer and closer to uh, to God as we identify more closely with His Son. And as He uses even these times of difficulty and obstacle in our life to conform us more and more to the image of His Son, And with the people that he actually created us to be from the very beginning, that we would have a relationship with him now and forever.